0: and welcome to the Guelph Politicast, I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talk to Richard Vivian, who is the City Hall Beat Reporter at Guelph Today. This is the last episode of the podcast for 2021, and in the spirit of the season, we're going to access our memories from the last 12 months and talk about all the things we remember, all the things we should remember, and all the things we would really like to forget. This whole 2021 was a whole long hard year. Nothing went the way it was supposed to, and it threw a lot of roadblocks in our way, especially when we didn't want them or need them. And now, at the end of the year, we will take stock of all that's happened and how it might affect us in the new year. It's time for the year end edition of Guelph Stuff, and that is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. Let's begin by talking about the news in 2021. What's the number one news story of this past year? Is there any way that it isn't COVID-19? Of course not. The pandemic cast off shadow over just about everything else that happened this year, but at least we had the vaccines to try and diffuse those shadows with some light of hopefulness. Guelph may be one of the most vaccinated communities in the country, although the rest of the province is catching up. Blame the heat from a new COVID variant that's been rapidly spreading the last few weeks of this year, but We are ending 2021 with that same feeling we had at the beginning of the year. Will this ever be over? How big of a shadow will COVID cast in 2022? But the pandemic was not the only story this year. Social justice issues were still in the news, especially in the summer with successive marches to support the indigenous communities, Guelph's Muslim community, and Palestinians caught in the middle of a week-long conflict in the occupied territories. There was also a federal election this year. Not that it changed much of anything, but it kept us busy for a couple of weeks, I guess. Housing was a big issue, and while there was no real progress on making it affordable or accessible for everyone, there was great progress on securing more supportive housing. We finally sold the Guelph Innovation District lands. We got those final approvals to shut down the DeLime Quarry, and we got some new ward maps that looked almost exactly like the same old ward maps. And we haven't even mentioned that one week period where Guelph City Council couldn't decide on whether they were actually approving the actions they thought they had approved. That's a lot of ground to cover, but we will try to cover all of it and more with Richard Vivian on this edition of the Guelph Politicast. We will discuss what stories we will think about when it comes to 2021, what the number one news story of the year is, and how the year has practically come full circle in terms of the fight against COVID. We will also talk about what's coming up in the new year, whether or not we will be seeing conspiracy theorists running for office in either of the two coming elections in 2022, and whether, at this point, Cam Guthrie is mayor for life, or until he doesn't want to be mayor anymore. And finally, we will remember some of the local political leaders we lost in 2021, any New Year's resolutions when it comes to reporting, and whether we might finally get back to some in-person council meetings, and why we might need to very soon. So I caught up with Richard Vivian a couple of weeks ago via Zoom. So Richard Vivian, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, I don't know how you feel. But uh, (laughs) as we're recording this, uh, you know, Omicron is back. There's back to, like, high rate of new cases this morning. We're we're, we're in a rapid rush to get everybody booster shots. It feels like the year is ending how it started. At at least that's how it feels to me. How does it feel to you?
1: (laughs) I'd more or less agree with that. Um, I, I do feel that, you know, we're in a much better spot, I believe, than we were a year ago. Um, Even though we have this new variant, it doesn't seem to be as intense, although it uh, spreads a lot quicker. Uh, And and the vast majority of folks are double vaccinated. So even those of us that do get sick from it, um, you know, chances are it's going to be a much less severe illness.
0: Yeah, I think they're just uh, it's the cycle that everybody's (laughs) kind of sick of. Um, There's a
1: little trauma too. like it. This is really. Uh, jacked people's anxiety back up from the trauma from the first part of the uh, pandemic.
0: Yeah, you're right. So, um, I, I guess you know we're doing a year-end uh, review. Uh, whether it's somebody there <laughs> it has a cold. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, it's part of the fun. Uh, you know, as, as we're sitting here at the end of 2021, as we're looking back at the year, I guess just in terms of your general thoughts, um, what do what you what are you gonna what sticks out to your mind in that 2021 was all about? What's the overarching theme of 2021? I guess
1: oh, it's it's nearly impossible to get away from the pandemic as a the theme, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, and and social justice issues and and things like that that's really carried over from 2020 and and hopefully continues to to carry over. Um, it'd be great to see some of these uh, these pushes continue.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the things I take away. Is uh, I mean, you can't ignore the big Black Lives Matter protest in twenty twenty, but uh, it certainly felt like we were out in the streets more this year. Uh, whether that was mm-hmm. you know Indigenous issues, the environment, uh, there was a Palestinian march and yeah. uh, support for uh, the Palestinians back in the spring uh yeah it it was nice to go to protests again
1: (laughs) it was definitely nice from a a personal perspective to be out and about and you know uh, for lack of a better term mixing with people
0: yeah that's true although as a
1: reporter i've always kind of stood on the peripheral and preferred to do it from there
0: (laughs) that's interesting because i I like to get right in 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 it um to sort of be surrounded by i was gonna say surrounded by the outrage and it is usually outrage um and and there, there's kind of no shortage of of that. Uh, whether that's, I mean, o- the obvious outrages of unmarked graves at residential schools, or you know the the rage of young people about lack of climate action during, uh, mm-hmm. during a during a pretty rough year where we are seeing a lot of really rough effects from climate change. Right here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh. Do you ever? uh find yourself uh you're talking about standing on the periphery but do you ever find yourself sort of getting lost in the (laughs) in the wave of outrage that you know you're you sort of um, a moment you become part of the crowd I i sometimes find that myself
1: um I kind of have a bit of dual personality. Like there's reporter Richard who, uh, you know, I I, I like to just observe and be as unbiased as as possible. But, you know, Richard as an individual, sure, I I have
0: opinions about things, absolutely. Ooh, scandalous. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it does feel scandalous at times people think. And I I encounter this. I don't know if you ever get out to any of those, like – I was going to say anti-vaccine protest, but I don't like that term. Um, yeah, they'll get pretty angry at you. That's been my experience. Yeah, or l- let's just say like uh, COVID skeptic protests That you know, um, like you are biased. Like you get tagged with it. Like you're fake news. You're biased. I, I, you know, you kind of get run the gamut from. You're only telling part of the story. To you know, you're outright fake news, and um, it's kind of hard to explain. The nuances in, in those situations that uh yeah, yeah sorry I'd, I'd
1: maybe take it a little more to heart if if their arguments held more water
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's rough i i got um I, w- I was a bit worried for a second at the last one i was at because uh, i got called out by one of the people as fake news and then everyone sort of tags in um but I've, I mean, I've also had a lot of people at those meetings. Tell them, oh, your coverage is really fair, which is int- I mean, it's just it just, you know, I, I think from the outside looking in, we uh, people want to look at those protests or those gatherings and see it from like one very explicit term. But actually, when you get in there, um, it's a pretty nuanced crowd, which is mm-hmm. one of the things I've, I, I'm i taking away from this year that uh, the mass isn't as massive as, as you think, looking from the outside in.
1: Not sure I, I fully understand that comment. <laughs>
0: that, that mass isn't mass, but... Well, I, you know, not everybody thinks the same way is what I mean.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I guess... Can you talk a bit about maybe your experience with it? I, I just want to compare notes for a sec about uh, dealing with, you know, the covid skeptic crowd you know you seem to have some experience too
1: yeah absolutely i mean um you know it, again sticking to the the peripheral literally uh, <laughs> i i think on this this matter um yeah it's it's, it's always worth uh sort of noting and, and fact checking some of these things especially uh from a community news perspective if it um, you know, is a large gathering or blocks a major road or um, something where it impacts people um, as as a general rule, um, and that doesn't necessarily give the message more weight, but it gives uh, more weight to to coverage of whatever it is they've done, whether that's shut down a road or um, you know cordoned off city hall to make up an example or. Yeah. You know uh, something that would grab people's attention it, it's good to explain to people like even if they don't agree that this is the reason they've done it and this is this is what has inspired the the rerouting or what
0: have you <laughs> yeah it, it yeah i mean that's always kind of the tough part and and that gets back to you know sort of i guess empathizing with the group as well because I, I don't know if you read the comments on your articles do you uh,
1: sometimes yes depending on the issue uh sometimes i'm curious what the reaction is
0: because yeah sometimes the immediate reaction is you know like street closures and that kind of thing i can't believe that happened it's like you're inconveniencing us and then uh, you know the more intellectual part of your brain is like yeah but that's kind of the point the inconvenience is the point Um, It, it
1: absolutely is and you know this is a democracy and people have the right to protest um you know they they should follow public health guidelines and like, <laughs> not when they're doing it. Um, but, you know, people are free to protest and show their objections and just as they can show up and, and demonstrate their
0: support as well. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's Canada. It is Canada. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This was like your first year of covering covering your first full year covering council. I'm right about that.
1: I'd covering Guelph Council, yes. Yeah. I've covered many through the, the past, yeah.
0: I meant Guelph Council specifically. Um, yeah. so I guess you, you've still yet to step foot I mean, I assume you've been in the council chambers themselves at some point. Or am am I mis misunderstanding?
1: No. So the the only time I've actually been in the Guelph Council chambers was to uh, stock up on some um, file photos uh, in anticipation of the uh, ward boundary review and the council makeup discussions. And um, I reached out to uh, to Mayor Guthrie and he uh, he helped me make arrangements to get in there for a few minutes and just take a bunch of photos of different angles. And so we're not running the same boring photo on 40 different stories.
0: I hear you. I guess the point I'm getting at is that in your official capacity as the, the, the man covering Guelph city council, you have yet to be in a Guelph city council meeting in the council chambers
1: <laughs> in, in the flesh. Yes, I have not. And I'm looking forward to it, but I also I've, I've become accustomed. I kind of enjoy the virtual uh, approach as well.
0: Oh no, me too. I, I enjoy just, you know, turning on Facebook or YouTube at six thirty. <laughs> And just like, <laughs> I don't have to get up from my chair. If it's like nine o'clock and the meeting's running long, I can go change in my pajamas. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and it was great too that there was um I, I forget how long ago my concept of time is more skewed than ever because of the pandemic.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
1: but there was uh, a few months ago, there even there was a delegate who was able to present to the council from using their phone from the park. Mm-hmm. Like it's great to have that open access.
0: Yeah. Um I guess where I was going with this was uh you know, in in terms of watching council this year, um uh, you know, what kind of what kind of stuck out to you, whether that's like a particular trend you're seeing, like uh are is it just me or like the councilors maybe getting a little crabbier the more we're kind of in the in the zoom council meeting space or I, I guess any issues in particular what what stuck out to you about the council meetings this year
1: um, to be perfectly frank I, I would suggest that uh, Perhaps people are a little more thin-skinned than they should be.
0: Yes. Um, yes.
1: <laughs> there, there's a lot of point of orders and challenges and procedurally, you know, like it, it, it makes sense, sometimes very much called for. Um, but I think uh, people just in general, and, and this is even beyond counsel, but are just taking more offense than they need to, taking things, you know, misinterpreting or, or maybe uh, overreacting to some things.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I glad you said that because I've been feeling that, too. Um, and, I, and I do wonder if it is tied to, like, everybody being in their own box. Like, if, you know, you can't, like, when, you know, the meetings on recess or something, step outside and, and talk to this person face to face, like, hey, that wasn't cool, whether that's, you know, like, those kind of beefs would be handled outside of the, the meeting sphere where, you know, you have the clerks taking notes and all that.
1: Yeah. I don't know if that's the normal process for Guelph to, to do it in that kind of casual side way. Uh, I have definitely covered some councils that, you know, they'll do that before they go on the public <laughs> record with their concerns.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, I'm just speaking from my experience. I, I don't remember, I mean, there, there have been occasional times where like social media beefs, let's say have, have erupted into the real life or, or the real life horseshoe area. But, uh, it, yeah, th- it just really does feel like, and I, I don't think it's so much, well, I don't think it's just like counsel between counselors themselves. I think it's like online comments and, you know, people talking online. And I, I think there's a lot of uh, council does seem extraordinarily sensitive to, you know, when somebody comes and delegates and says, you know, you don't get this issue. And it's like, no, 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 you can't say that. We totally get this issue. And it's just like, well. Unless, unless you've been talking about it, uh, online, you know, people don't understand that too. People don't know what's kind of going on in your head. I mean, maybe it's a call for all of us to sort of be more understanding, but I think it is, I think it has been definitely a trend this year that we're people are a little more sensitive than than normal.
1: Yeah. I think as a society, we could definitely use a little more compassion, a little more tolerance and I'll pull myself on that list too.
0: (laughs) I'll join you there. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about some of the stuff that happened around Cal- like uh, farmhouse gate. I'm calling it farmhouse gate. I don't know if it's an approved term from the press club, but the, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole the whole situation with the farmhouse. I mean, that it, it's rare. Here's a situation, as we were talking about, where there really was like procedural issues that mm-hmm. needed to be sorted out sort of in real time. But, you know, maybe didn't. But our, 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 maybe we can start with this. Uh, can you join me in the in the idea that maybe stuff going on in closed meetings, and I don't mean to infer like conspiracies or anything like that, but you know maybe there's too much business being done in closed session that result that was inevitably going to result to something like this.
1: Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of that. Like the as little as possible should be discussed behind closed doors. Um, you know, it, everything that the city does involves taxpayer dollars and taxpayers have a right to know what's going on so of course there's legit things you know legal issues and and whatnot but um yeah i'm a a big fan of always review and as much as possible should happen in the public realm
0: i don't know what your experience is with like like closed or confidential information being released like after the fact like in a redacted manner like they did with the 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 victoria road farmhouse report but i mean Mm -hmm. That was like a, like they, they eventually snipped and they made a point of pointing out in the in the redacted report where they redacted stuff. And it was like a couple of paragraphs into a line. And my thought was, if this if this is all it takes to sanitize a closed meeting report, why can't we do that for every closed meeting report where we have a public version and a, and a closed meeting version?
1: That's a totally legit comment, I, I, I would back you up on that. I think it also showed that in this particular, um, subject, which by the way, I've never in my whole life, I'll never forget the address of 797 Victoria road north. It's burned into my brain forever.
0: Ironically um, it's ironically, yeah, but that, that particular, uh, <laughs> that particular, yeah,
1: um, that particular, um, redacted report, I, I think is a clear demonstration that that meeting should have been open. Yeah. Cause if, if, if not, then, you know, it should have been a report with three words and the rest all blacked
0: out. Yeah, you actually went up there, right? You went, you went to, to check it. Battle times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was was it as bad as uh, people? I mean, because you know even talking to like people some people who are interested in heritage properties like they didn't know it was there it's and i I think a member of heritage guelph even said that that you know they drove past that stretch of road all the time they had no idea there was like a 200 year old farmhouse 300 meters back from the road
1: (laughs) me too and i like i live in that corner of guelph and i have for you know over a decade um and even the first time i went up Uh, actually I guess it would be the second time I went up looking for it Um, the first time I went up was actually the weekend before it was discussed at council and I got the address wrong I thought it was actually a little farther north Um, but once I got that clarified and I went up to see the property I actually passed the house like it's tucked in behind some trees even down that long driveway and I didn't see it until I was on my way back and I was already feeling you know Defeated, <laughs> I missed it. And, you know, I took some photos. I was like, oh, it looks like there, there would have been a building here, uh, which turned out it was one of the previous flyers. Right. But the house itself I totally missed until I was on my way back to my car. Yeah. I must have hiked, you know, half a kilometer back there.
0: <laughs> and, of course, it's worth noting that they had the address wrong on the registry to begin with.
1: They did. I guess that was the old historic address.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's a reminder that I mean, and I, I feel like this is kind of one of those weird issues. I don't know if you remember the, the old farmhouse on the Hanlon Creek business property that came back late last year that the owner wanted to demolish it. Um, and I believe if I remember correctly, council moved to designate it. Um, yeah. But I mean, there's the, there's this struggle and it, it goes beyond just sort of council where, there is kind of Guelph does love its heritage, but on the other hand, like heritage, like the resources to actually save heritage are scarce. They seem to, whether it's like public or whether it's private investment, something like the Petrie building, it kind of all gets sucked up into these one or two big projects. Mm-hmm. And we, and we kind of end up missing all these little, little projects that um, nobody seems to. Well, I shouldn't say nobody wants to save until they're almost gone, but I mean, that just aren't, aren't a priority until they're literally almost gone.
1: Well, and I think even just the, the city inventory list will show that like demolition by neglect is a legitimate thing. Yeah. And, and I know that um, several people have called for changes to that. And I, I I would on a personal level support that.
0: (laughs) Getting back into that personal political divide. Um, (laughs) We had an election this year. Was it worth no it? No way, really. No. Yeah, I know. I know, right? <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't feel. I don't. I'm not alone in thinking that you know it really wasn't worth it, right? That it's just like it, it. It was kind of like a blip. We had a federal election this year, and it like almost didn't matter at all.
1: Well, that definitely didn't change very much. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to say that I, I was convinced it was worth it for
0: sure. Um how did you enjoy uh the, the Guelph tradition of like having nearly as many uh fringe party candidates on a ballot as uh main party candidates? I think we had I think we had an eight. I think we had eight this year with
1: That sounds right, yeah.
0: With uh Karen, uh People's I'm I'm counting People's Party as fringe on just because yeah. they don't have any seats. Uh communist and who am I forgetting? uh who are you forgetting <laughs> they're gonna be so mad <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love the fact that so many yeah. people in guelph
1: uh, i was actually a little disappointed that we didn't continue our tradition of independence running
0: yeah um,
1: I, I love uh, speaking with people you know those independents that run and finding out what uh, what inspired them to put their name forward and, and things like that and guelph always seems to have a few but we didn't this time around
0: Yeah, there were two in the 2019 election, um, whose name, again, I'm blanking on names, but I I know one of them was brother case who usually ran for the marijuana Mm -hmm. party, but I, I don't believe, I don't know if the marijuana party is still, um, I guess the raison d'etre was kind of taken from them. But
1: (laughs) Yeah. I haven't heard anything about them in quite a while.
0: (gasps) Yeah. So, I mean, there's, so we've got the federal election down. We've got two elections coming up next year. Um, are you looking forward to double the elections and, and I mean, there's a chance they, I mean, they could be more consequential, I suppose. I mean, they definitely will be because, but anyway, what do you, are you looking forward to next year's elections?
1: Um, so yeah, for the most part, I enjoy elections. It um, it's, it's good to refresh things and, and get the public perspective, of course. Um, and then just again, on the personal level, I, I enjoy the coverage and the, you know the the election night flirt, flurry of action and things like that, um, but it, it's definitely good to to you know get a new mandate from people and um, yeah. At, at the provincial level, I think we're we're likely going to see some more turnover than we will at the municipal. I would think.
0: Yeah, I th- I, I am kind of curious about that. Um...
1: I'm speaking generally, not to, not the Guelph riding in particular, because uh, I. I find it hard to believe that a leader party would get ousted
0: oh so, so you're you're putting money on on mike that would,
1: would yeah i'm not a betting man but i, I <laughs> I'd, I'd be hard to hard pressed to think he's going to get ousted
0: yeah i i would tend to agree i think i mean there were kind of rumblings when he was first elected about like oh what is like one man can do uh or, like a party of one in Queen's Park can do. And I think it, it, he's proved pretty handily he could be effective as uh, a one man band in Queen's Park.
1: during the pot.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, I agree. Um, so, I, 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 in also incumbency has its advantages. So,
1: absolutely. And that's a factor in why I suspect he's going to hold on to it.
0: But I, I, I am interested to see. What kind of like party resources are thrown here? Because I mean, Doug Ford's been here several times in 2021, Mm -hmm. making big announcements. Um, Like having like Rochelle Devereaux uh, from Guelph Community Health, like she's
1: high profile candidate for for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And you know, Stephen Delta, he hasn't been by lately, um, Mm. but he he has also like pop by several times so he's kind of put a marker on guelph too so Uh, i i think it'll be interesting to see uh if if guelph how how heavily guelph is on the radar for other parties to think they can try and create an upset here
1: well a a good chunk of it i would think will come down to um do people want to turn over the, the power at the top like mm. is it time for a different party to to rule um in which case a lot of people will vote strategically uh on what they want to happen at the provincial level instead of focusing on you know who's the best local candidate is
0: yeah which could let you know uh if if the local incumbent is not one of those parties can kind of let them you know slide in again I mean, because, you know, Mike Schreiner, although he won with like 46% of the vote, it's, it's hard solid, to yeah. it's hard to make a case that that wasn't a protest vote as well.
1: Absolutely it was, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: looking locally uh, to the municipal election, though, um, do you think Cam is mayor for life? I'm, I'm sort of having that suspicion. I mean, he's kind of got like the, the solid social media following. I can't really think of anyone who's going to step up like an obvious sort of candidate to step in, to run for mayor uh, next year. Like he's like, it It would be a like, it would be the political shock of the year if he w- didn't win a third term next year.
1: I would also be surprised. I, I don't know that anybody's got a position for life anymore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I
1: think loyalty is not, not what it used to be uh, from a voting, yeah. but also from a customer perspective and, and things like that. Sure. Um, you know, it, it's more about well, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, uh, but he is—he is pretty active on social media, and that definitely uh, is a feather in his cap.
0: Do mm-hmm. you think the the new ward maps are going to have any kind of impact? Like, you know, I remember when the maps—the new ward maps—were approved, and there was like a a, a small but vocal uh, like protest on social media, like people who live in like the ward in downtown who are angry that they're not Ward One anymore; they're Ward Two. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it...
1: overall the boundaries haven't changed a great deal like there's yeah. going to be those few um i don't think it's going to have a massive impact at all mm. no I, if we'd have gone with an eight ward system or um you know full-time counselors and fewer of them or something like that uh, i i think it would be a completely different ball game mm. uh, but i i think we're going to see a lot of the same
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: unless people choose not to not to run. I've heard some whispers of things, but I haven't actually talked to anybody, so I don't know the truth. So
0: <laughs> we should compare those whispers off off <laughs> offline. Um, do you, I've had I've had a couple of people mention this to me. I don't know if they they've mentioned it to you, but um, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show with, you know, the the anti covid restriction protesters we see that happening in states like a lot of these people running for school boards and running for city councils and running for like these small political offices like QAnon people and all that uh any worry that we might see that here too like any of these people who are like politically active in a protest sense might try and make that activism more formal by running for office
1: uh, sure it's always a possibility but i think in um in canada and perhaps i'm, I'm you know, taking a bit of an elitist approach here. I thought, I mean, I, I don't think we have, like those extreme views don't have the same level of support as they do down in the States. Um, that's not to say it won't happen, but uh, it, I can't imagine it would happen to the same extent if it does.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, you're in the right place. The Gulf Politicast is, if it's about anything, it's about elitism. Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, I'm, in terms of thinking about like maybe what the number one story of the year is, I've kind of already posted mine on on Politico, and and that is like vac- vac- vaccinations, which you know kind of brings us around full circle. Mm-hmm. You know, ninety two percent of Guelph was fully va- like people twelve and over uh, is fully vaccinated. That's we're probably going to get back up there once we get everyone under five or everyone five five to twelve fully vaccinated. Um is is that the story of the year do you think that the vaccine pickup here in guelph
1: yeah i mean that's that's casting a bit of a wide net because you can include <laughs> the um you know the the anti-lockdown anti-vaxxers whatever label you want to put um all into that same category um so yeah i mean they, when you pull everything together i think that's that's the clear winner in terms of you know like the the quantity of conversations and, and things like that but yeah and, and The fact that we had the, um, like our chief medical officer of health, you know, did the mask mandate so early, and Mm. uh, Guelph's got its own system for registering for the vaccines, or not Guelph, but Wellington Dufferin Guelph. Um, Clearly, yeah, I I think it's definitely a a massive story this year.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, I think we would be remiss if we sort of wrapped up the the show without sort of paying tribute to um, some of the, the local political names like the people who you know were well regarded by by guelph politicos of, of all stripes uh i mean the year started like on a bummer note norm jerry passed away uh probably ever still still everyone's favorite guelph mayor regardless if they were alive during his mayoralty or not
1: i did see a lot of those comments Yes. yeah
0: yeah, uh, I mean, I got a chance to do an interview with him a couple of years ago when he uh, at Riverside Glen, where he was he was living, and uh, still incredibly humble, and still actually pretty politically active. Like he he was like on social media and everything. I don't think he had an account, but he was like looking at what everybody was saying. He was on Guelph Today all the time, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, so he was he, he was still pretty sharp and pretty in the. I guess in in keeping his finger on the pulse, <laughs> despite uh, how long he's been out of the game, and and despite how uh, how how advanced he was in age, and um, yeah, that well,
1: imagine w- when you serve for that long, like it, it gets in your blood, right? I, I wouldn't, I can't imagine giving it giving it up completely.
0: Yeah, and I can't get over this part of his his biography either. He was news director at SeaJoy while being mayor of Guadeloupe. <laughs> You could, you or I could not do that today. You could killed your Guelph. You couldn't even write movie reviews for Guelph today and be mayor of
1: the Guelph. No, absolutely not. No, no, no. It, if nothing else, the uh, the appearance of conflict, uh, you know, weighs heavy.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Martha Rogers was a recent uh, person who passed away, and I mean, it's it's like kind of ultra sad. Not that any passing isn't sad, but um she delayed her retirement year to help the upper grand district school board like deal with covid and like just months months after yeah it's it's so sad um Mm -hmm. alan pickersgill too who's like kind of famous i don't know how much how familiar with alan's writing but he's sort of like a famous guelph muckraker uh on the on the left hand side of the spectrum and uh i mean it, 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 he his columns were always a great gut check <laughs> for people who perhaps uh, aligned to the left-hand side of things like where does Alan sit on this issue and i think his voice will be missed very much as well
1: and it's great to have those voices i mean that's it's as you said the gut check like it's yeah. um you know cuz we can we can sometimes as a society stray too far in one direction and it's good to have someone really in and make you think about the other direction.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, his brother Edward though, still with us, still doing good work down at the bench and Mm -hmm. still smokes like a chimney, like a a Victorian era chimney. And
1: (laughs) he's still, I'll take your word on that. Uh,
0: I mean, it's not Guelph, but I mean, it's Ontario, uh, and I—I I compl- I mean, it's one of those things I completely spaced. But Bill Davis passed away this year, too.
1: Oh, true. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that.
0: Kind of, uh, kind of like the same era as Norm Jerry. So, like, kind of these—very much, yeah—these titans of like a certain age of on of Ontario politics passing away.
1: And I don't know that we're going to see too many more that hold positions for as long as they did.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, people people don't kind of give people don't give politicians kind of generally the same leeway either. And of course, like things are so partisan now. I mean, Bill Davis was technically a progressive conservative, but his emphasis was more on the P than the C uh, more often than not. And it's just, you know, can you, can you ride the center for as long as they did him and Norm Jerry for that matter? um, When you have like left, Left-wing Twitter and right-wing Twitter both pulling at you from either direction. It's 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 really hard to to imagine like kind of those kind of centrist dynastic forces in politics ever again. For and you sure, can, and you can almost There's say the same about Mel Lastman too. Uh, yeah, he was uh,
1: maybe a little more polarizing figure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was more polarizing, but I mean, in, 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 he's also kind of of that same era, like the '60s, '70s in North York, where there was that big boom and growth. Um, and you know, people on the left may not have always agreed with his politics, but he's one of those guys that's like, "Yeah, I like him." Or you know, it's just all those years of late-night TV and advertising, bad boy. It it you know you you almost can't help it in a way.
1: Yeah, no, I'll fully acknowledge. I I don't know the most about uh, Mel, other than uh, <laughs> I remember him uh, uh, shaking hands with a Hell's Angel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty sure it was him that called in the army when it like yes. a couple of snowflakes legs fell in Toronto.
0: Yes, um, yes, yeah. an act that has yet to be defeated. Although I saw on the news after he passed away, like there were people they were talking to people on the street in Toronto who were defending it. Still, like third, oh, like. Twenty-five years later, people are like, Yeah, I would have called out the army too. And I'm like, Would you have?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was no question. It was a big storm, but uh, did that need to happen? I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't in charge.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So any uh, do you make New Year's resolutions? Do you have any like maybe professional? directions for the new year that you want to share anything or are you're you just not planning that far ahead while things consider <laughs>
1: yeah i hadn't really turned my attention to that at all um i don't as a general rule do the resolutions because new year's doesn't mean a whole lot to me personally it mm. uh, is just another um yeah i hadn't hadn't thought about resolutions i uh yeah i i don't know
0: I'm the same, although I thought I'd ask. Uh, If we got jetpacks at midnight on January 1st, I I would maybe change my mind about New Year's. But yeah, it's just another day.
1: (laughs) I'd be up there with a jetpack myself.
0: That's right. (laughs) Though that might be another whole crisis we're accidentally creating for ourselves. Anyway, Richard Vivian, uh, thank you for your time today and uh, happy New Year. And uh, hopefully we'll see each other in person at council one day. (laughs)
1: That, that sounds great. Uh, I would imagine at some point in 2022
0: that'll happen. Well, from from your lips to the clerk's ears or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, that was Richard Vivian. You can check out his news and politics coverage over at GuelphToday dot com. You can check out some year end insights from me over on Guelph Politico and in this past Saturday's Market Squared column on Guelph today, and you can find those links in the show notes page for this episode. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, out of the University of Guelph, and to learn more about CFRU, go to cfru.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram. And you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you in the new year, and until then, we will see you next time.